Hi, and welcome to Finance Matters, a podcast series where we bring you bite-sized thoughts, stories, and inspiration in the hopes that they'll be useful to you on this road we're all on to do our best and be our best in the realm of financial matters here at UVA. I'm your host, Brandy Van Ormer. And I'm your co-host, Patty Marbury. And Patty and I are super excited today because it's not just us on Zoom, and it's not just us and one guest on Zoom. It's Patty and me and four other people. What? So I'm going to um, give them a chance to introduce themselves in just a second, but we're joined today by a group of colleagues from the UVA Finance Inclusive Excellence Advisory Committee. Um, This is a group that has just pulled together this year, and they're doing a lot of really cool things within UVA Finance, but they're things that are good for all of us to be thinking about. So I'm going to just pause for a moment and let them introduce themselves briefly. Hi, I'm Melody Bianchetto, um, VP for Finance and UVA Finance. Glad to be here. Hi, I'm Jen Berry. I head the customer service team for Student Financial Services. Hi, I'm Laverne Grant. I work at the Office of Export Controls within the UVA. And hello, I'm Steve Kamada. I'm the Assistant VP for Student Financial Services. Thank you all for being with us this morning. Um, When people come on the podcast as guests, I usually try to um, make it sound like it's going to be just the most great experience ever. (laughs) And I hope that you do have a good time this morning, but we are really glad that you have joined us. And Melody, if you don't mind, I'd like to start with you. I referred to the, the group that you're a part of. This, these are just a few of the members, but maybe you could just give us a little bit of background on the Inclusive Excellence Advisory Committee and what it does within finance. Great. Thanks, I'm happy to, um, Randy. So uh, Inclusive Excellence is an initiative that the university has adopted formally. Um, Kevin McDonald, the Vice President for Diversity and Equity Um, at the university has um, started putting this forward as really uh, an initiative for the whole university. But as more incidents occurred over the summer, the George Floyd incident, Ahmed Arbery and so forth, we felt like we were were following along with the footsteps of coming up with this inclusive excellence plan. But what we really wanted to do was to dig deeper. And I felt the need to have an advisory group to really help me step through how we could have these conversations. Um, So Patty had taken advantage. She was gonna lead this inclusive excellence group for us. We added added a couple of people, um, but really sought to expand it so that we could get more voices here for more people and hopefully provide some really, um, some good conversations, some good context, some good kind of educational opportunities and really help UVA Finance um, adopt these ideas, equity and inclusion are are our our core values. And so that's what this group is doing. So Patty, you've been part of this group for, Patty and I joke that we're a part of every committee, but (laughs) you've been working with this group for a while. Um, Would you care to tell us a little bit about your experience and what the group does? Well, we started, um, as Melody said, we started, I can't even remember when it was, but maybe last year around this time, um, we were asked to provide contact um, for the university's inclusive excellence group that, and, and our goal really to start was to develop some recommendations and goals like five-year plan to see, uh, you know, what finance 
to advance um, the different dimensions of inclusive excellence. So develop goals around those. Um, and maybe in the show notes, we can link to the inclusive excellence um, website. Will so do. Read more about what those different dimensions are. And so, um, so we started and we started with a small group, Steve and Jen, um, and another colleague of ours, Jack King. And we started meeting and talking and then as he said, when this summer started and we had some national, you know, tragic incidents um, that really pushed the urgency around um, race in the workplace, um, diversity, equity, inclusion, all of those things really came to the forefront, almost like a train. <laughs> it felt like being hit by a train a little bit, but um, we felt much more urgency around the, the goals and the ideas that we had that we needed to put some things in place. And the first thing we did, as Melody said, and it was Melody's idea, was to expand the group to include, first of all, more diversity in our group, and then also um, to, to get more people on board to help us um, do some things very quickly. And so that's when we expanded our team by quite a lot because a lot of people were really interested. And so we now have, I think, 11 people on our advisory group. And, and I'll also link in the show notes, yeah. if you're within UVA or within UVA Finance, you might be interested in some of the other work at work and the events that the group has been responsible for. Yeah. Um, so I'll link yeah. some of that on the blog. Yep. Um, but also, I wanted to give a little background to this discussion about brave space, which is what we're talking about today. Um, long ago and far away, man, it's been what, like a year or two, maybe Patty. I don't remember. Yeah. Worst uh, a while. Yeah. <laughs> a while. At least a year and a half. At I'll least link anyway. in the show notes to a couple of podcasts that we did with UVA's Valencia Harvey. She's no longer with UVA. Boo. But she was the assistant director of the Virginia College Advising, Advising Corps. And she was also a member of a team that developed a Brave Space education um, called Who's Brave. And we have a yearly conference within finance, or hosted by finance for all finance folks across grounds called UVA Forward. And she and her colleague were part of the presentation one year. And we thought it was so interesting that we wanted to bring her in for a podcast and we talked so much that we had to record two podcasts. <laughs> so um, it was, it, those are really great discussions and they give lots of context to what we're talking about. So I will link to those in the show notes, but just to kind of get everybody oriented enough that you can listen today and know what page we're on. Um, we do urge you to listen in, but a recap is that a brave space is an intentional environment where people can choose to engage in a challenging dialogue, such as around racial matters, with courage and empathy. It could be like the Brave Space could be a classroom, it could be an event, or it could be a meeting. So in UVA Finance's case, the meetings and discussions and forums put together by the IE Advisory Group are Brave Spaces. So the idea is that in these spaces, people can step out of their comfort zone and learn from each other's perspective and address critical issues and what could be more critical right now that impact their lives. And this is different than a safe space. And that's a term that you may have heard. 
the term safe space has been around a long time and it's been used in different contexts in higher ed from movement building to academic theory to student support services and in the classroom. The origin of the term is unclear, but its many uses have ultimately centered on increasing the safety and visibility of marginalized or oppressed community members. While the focus of the current discussion on college campuses has been on safe spaces and the history behind the term demonstrates that it's used to describe different types of safety. The other term brave space is used to draw attention to the differences and to bring clarity to the conversation. When we talk about brave space, we usually refer to the work of Brian Arreo and Christy Clemens, which we'll link to that in the show notes as well on their book, The Art of Effective Facilitation, Reflections from Social Justice as Educators. So brave space is a community space where different points on a journey of learning and growing are acknowledged. Community members engage in critical dialogue through conscious questioning and active listening. And this is different than a safe space. What you sometimes find in a safe space is that we maybe agree to disagree, or we don't even address the things that need to be addressed because we're keeping the space safe. Um, while we're all expected in the brave space environment to make our best effort to be respectful, there's an understanding that someone may say something that results in unintentional offense and hurt feelings for those that are in the group. The primary assumption of brave space though is that everyone speaks with positive intent of seeking greater knowledge and understanding. So our purpose for today's discussion with these great people who've agreed to come and chat with us is to further that discussion of brave space, brave space that I can't say, that we started with Valencia. Um, and these folks who are doing the work on issues with racial equality within finance are going to be our partners today to further that discussion. So while some people consider these kind of topics uncomfortable, the reality is that experiencing racism isn't comfortable. And as history and Black Lives Matter protests have showed us time and time again, this is one virus that has never gone away, no matter how many times it's been swept under the rug. So as well-intentioned as it can seem to be to avoid discussing things for fear of saying the wrong thing, the brave space model means that we commit to talking about it, that we listen, and that we understand exactly what's being said before responding. And having been a part of some of the discussions so far that this team has facilitated, there have been some interesting conversations. So I thought maybe that was a good place to start. Um, what have you all been seeing so far? Um, I, I'll, I'll start a little bit um, without one of our ground rules in our um, discussions, our brave space discussions that we're calling sprints. Um, and the re reason we call them sprints is to um, kind of take off of President Jim Ryan's um, comment that this, the urgency of this work that we're doing and these conversations we're having is um, more of a sprint than a marathon. Um, and so that's why we've called them that. And just um, one of the things we talk about at the beginning, we, talk, we set ground rules and one of them is confidentiality. Um, so while we won't discuss um, specifically anything that a particular person said, um, I think it would be helpful for listeners of the podcast to know what kinds of um, 
topics that we've talked about. I'll let somebody else talk. I'll say that during the discussions, what I've experienced as a uh, black participant has been uh, an awareness. There's been uh, a lot of vulnerabilities. There have been people that have trusted uh, their colleagues enough to share their past experiences. Uh, it's been eye-opening for some. It's been very heart-wrenching for others. It's been troubling for yet others. But I think that it's necessary because if you do not dig deep into the uh, systemic problem of racism, you're not going to be able to eradicate it. And I, I really uh, appreciate the opportunity uh, to be able to even discuss and have a forum where you can discuss matters of racism. Uh, I've seen a lot of empathy through uh, the, the uh, participation. I'm thankful to be a part of a group that allows you to have a brave space where you can talk about issues uh, that are troubling America today. So. That's been my experience. Uh, we've had people that have admitted, I feel, I feel very uncomfortable in this discussion. I don't, I don't like how I feel, but that's a part of the process. And I've always said, when you know better, you do better. And we're learning as we go. That's been my experience. Patty and I have said over and over on this podcast to the point that it gets exhausting when we're talking, because we talk about a lot of professional, personal development kind of things that to see any results, you have to do the work. And part of, that's a big part of what we're talking about here. It's work. It's not just sitting together and holding hands. Their people are uncomfortable and we have to wade through some things. So I might add too, although I see my internet connections unstable again, sorry. Um, it's fun that we get to say that so much now. Like it's, it's admitting an inner feeling that we probably have too. I'm a little unstable yeah. today. <laughs> that's right. Um, I think it's, it's been interesting from a leadership perspective too, because sometimes one of the uncomfortable places is whether the conversations are happening between like colleagues um, or between a, a manager and their teammate. And this has been able, like sometimes you're just on the, on the conversations and you're just watching and listening and hearing, and it might be um, it might be uncomfortable for, a, a, say, an entry-level or mid-level person to speak while their manager or their leader is there in the room, but we're learning how to do that, and we're learning, I think that helps us to build trust that will enable all kinds of difficult conversations to go, but the more, you know, we're kind of, we're thinking about why a brave space is scary, you know, kind of in preparation mm -hmm. for this, but it's scary because it's not something we do often in these regular conversations, the more we do it, the better we will hopefully get at it and be more open. And, th and that's kind of some of the things that I'm, I'm hoping we're getting out of it as we move forward. So for folks who say, all right, well, that's great. You're talking about stuff. Um, but that doesn't sound like doing things. What's the response to that? Why is it so important to be talking like this at this point? Well, um, I wanna just say and reiterate what Laverne has said is kind of like our mantra, which is when you know better, you do better. So I think just learning and understanding and knowing and having empathy and learning things that some of us never knew before. Um, that then you can take those things that you've learned and apply them to your entire lives, not just your life at work, but um, your life. And so I think a lot of people have expressed things like um, that one of the things that recently we've talked about is what, what can you do? Um, and people talked about being, um, instead of being a, a 
bystander, they would intervene if they saw a situation. And when, you know, I think simple thing that some people may not find easy or simple, but is you hear people say things that are offensive, um, jokes or comments, and just being able to say, hey, you know, find that offensive. Um, and so that's one thing you can do. And so that's one thing that people have learned that have said, you know, I never really thought about that before. I never really thought that something like that would be offensive. We've had that's, people. That's, yeah. I'm going to break in just for a second, yeah. Patty, because that's, that's one thing that's interesting too about these kinds of conversations, these brave space conversations is that people learn what is problematic that they may not have known before. Um, going back to that original conversation that we had with Valencia, it started mostly because of that interaction in the UVA Forward session where a member of the audience in that session said something honestly and with good intent about what Valencia's experience was. And Valencia took it as a way to talk about how that was a problematic statement. And it was a shock to everyone. <laughs> um, and it, But it was wonderful that it was a space where that the person who made the comment could learn how what she had thought was okay to say or voice was actually potentially hurtful. Um, so I think that's another really good part about Brave Space as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think um, everything you guys have said are, is really important. And I just want to point out um, that even though I've, I've not been able to be in these discussions because I'm getting my doctorate, um, I mean, that's no big deal. And I'm in class, like I'm in class during that time. Um, yeah, like there's not enough going on like in a pandemic working in student services and raising a three-year-old child. There is a basis of learning something to each of these conversations, right? And so, you know, they have that piece of knowledge and it may not be, you know, a, a significant portion of history or it may not be you know, like a whole book or, you know, an academic paper, but they're being exposed to some sort of idea or some sort of history that they may not have before, and then they're asked to engage about it. Um, and to me, like learning and then learning how to talk about this new information or these new ways of thinking is a pretty important stepping stone to doing something different. Um, and I know that there's been a lot of criticism uh, about, you know, kind of white people absolving themselves of doing more than reading or more than watching a, a movie with black people in it they wouldn't really watch. Um, but I, I hope that people are taking that a step further and, you know, taking some sort of action that is available to them from where they are, whether it's something in their professional life or a conversation uh, with someone that they might not have challenged before, like their next door neighbor who's trying to all lives matter them, you know. Um. <laughs> That's a good example of a specific thing. And maybe as we move forward, we can get more into some of those specifically interesting things that have come up so far. Learning the discussions even though they've been difficult, I think are critical because if we really want to see change occur and think improve, um, people have to be willing to listen and change their attitudes. And that's so difficult. But I think nothing's more important than having these, these difficult conversations if we want to move the needle.
and start making things better. So clearly none of us would be a part of this group if we weren't inter interested in the topic. So I, I've heard this mentioned by some of the group members that they thought they knew a lot of things before they came into these conversations, but they've learned a lot. And as Laverne was talking about, they've voiced how uncomfortable the discussion has made them. Can we talk a little bit more about that? Like, what are, what are people finding uncomfortable that these conversations are opening up to them? I would say some of it even has to do with language and things that, um, uh, you know, you, there, there are certain phrases that we use um, and, and we, I guess I'm thinking um, from, a, you know, from a, from a perspective of a white person that makes, that we think shows that we are conscious and thoughtful and understand what's going on, that suddenly we're learning that isn't a good thing to say. It isn't a good thing to say, you know, I don't see color or um, and showing it. And suddenly it's making us feel a little bit taken aback, like, wait a minute, I thought that was a good thing. I thought I was supposed to be, we're supposed to be in a race blind society and, and post-racial and all this stuff. And all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, we aren't. And you're having to relearn it and recognize that what you thought was like the right way to approach isn't necessarily. And so that makes you feel vulnerable from, from this perspective. Um, I mean, it, it obviously, I, as Laverne mentioned, I think that I have been so grateful for um, the people of color on the conversations who bring their vulnerability in actually sharing specific incidents that the rest of us are kind of sitting there going, you know, we heard these stories and oh my God, it's actually happening right here in front of us. And so there's, there's a vulnerability on kind of all sides there. That's important. One, one specific example I'd mentioned, and it's still running through my head daily, is the discussion about the Star Spangled Banner. Mm -hmm. That really threw me off. It made me uncomfortable. Because the way I was raised, there was no question. You, you stood up, you put your hand over your heart, and it was a no-brainer. And mm -hmm. now it's, it's thrown a lot of things into question for me, which has been tough. I think it's interesting that when I think of the demographics of the group too, um, we're all people of a certain age, <laughs> which it, you might say it's hard to break open and learn new things at this point, but there has been a real willingness within the group by and large to be open and to learn. And that's a foundation of Brave Space is that you have to be willing to hear the viewpoint of someone else or hear the, the thing that's un, that you think that can't be right. That, that's not how I've always thought of it. That's not how I learned it. And accept that and let it inform how you think. Mm -hmm. Have you all seen more examples of that happening besides the conversation Steve mentioned? I'll jump in and just say one one thing that I learned about myself because I thought, oh, I'm you know, I'm not racist. I don't do anything that's racist. One example, I'm woke. <laughs> right. One example of um, of my own learning was the the you know sometimes we hear about the experiences of other people, um, our black colleagues, our black friends, our black family members, whatever. Whoever they may be, 
And if we're white, one of the things that we are sometimes another race, I guess, but when you hear about the experiences, you think a lot of people think, and a lot of people have expressed this, that why is it always about race? You know, like maybe that wasn't, um, maybe the person wasn't being racist when they, you know, locked their car behind them when they saw you <laughs> or um, didn't let you in the building um, when you didn't have your ID. You know, that's often the comment that people will say um, in response to listening and hearing those kinds of experiences. And I've done that myself. And to me, that's exactly the, the place um, where you can, where you understand that your, your own white privilege um, allows you to even ask that question. So we don't necessarily see everything about race, but to another person, um, to a black person that experiences those kinds of microaggressions every single day, then everything, everything is potentially about race. And so that's one of the things that I um, learned um, in throughout this process. And I feel like I've even had to apologize to um, people. So, you know, that's, that's an example. And that's exactly the example that came up in that UBA Forward um, session with Valencia Harvey was something she said and the person, and she explained a situation where somebody said something about her accent and that she didn't sound like she was from South Dallas or something like that. And the person in the, in the um, audience of that session said, why would you automatically think that was about race? And she said, that's exactly, here is a brave space conversation. Yeah. And she said, you wouldn't think it's about race because your privilege allows you to not see that. So a couple things with that, Patty. Number one, you said two things, white privilege and microaggression. So just yeah. know, listening audience, those are two of the kind of terms that we're talking about that we'll, Patty and I will do a, a quick rundown of those on a separate podcast and provide some resources too for that because it's important to understand those terms and those can be kind of knee-jerk terms too. Mm -hmm. um, when you hear those, you can think you know what that means or have a certain reaction to it and they do require a little explanation. But mm -hmm. back to... The, the concept of brave space and Valencia saying, this is exactly the kind of conversation we have. That's so important for two reasons, because number one, part of brave space is that you learn, you, it, the ground rules are taking someone's experience and hearing it and not um, trying to reinterpret it, but taking it for what it is. And number two, I hope that we, we talked about this in the previous podcast. I hope that the person who asked that question that we bless her, that we've referred to her about a million times from, but by now that she's never embarrassed for asking the question. She isn't in a brave space because normally that's the kind of question that in a conversation you'd hear a comment, you'd think, why does that have to be about race? But you keep it to yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and you'd wonder that the rest of your days. And there would always be a suspicion or a doubt in your mind of the validity of a, per, of a group or a person's experience. And you'd never get to understand it. And because we're talking about a brave space environment where you can and should ask the questions and it can be scary to do so, 
you can find out why that's a valid thing and why you should pay attention. I wish the audience could see all the nodding. We're like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think that something that struck me while I was, um, you know, like refreshing my memory on the, the rules of engagement or whatnot and, um, in preparation for this talk is that really we should be treating each other this way all the time. And oh, I am so glad you said that. Be curious, avoid generalizing, and validate and support each other. Um, you know, if you really try and see and hear what the person in front of you is saying and ask for clarification if you're unclear or you're really having a hard time pushing past your assumptions, like you're going to get a lot further in any sort of relationship about anything. Um, if you follow those guidelines. And I think that's an important point too, is, you know, when you have this knee-jerk reaction of, well, it's not about race. You know, like that is, you know, kind of protecting you from going to this place where you find out how it is and you understand more about someone's experience and their life that might be. So let's talk about then, I want to get more explicit um, for our listening audience about why these conversations, somebody said move the needle, um, how co continued efforts like this, conversations, exchanging ideas, how that moves the needle. Um, can, can we talk a little bit about that for a minute? How does it, how does this help with what we see going on in our nation, in our world? I think Steve was the one that said that, so maybe he should answer first. <laughs> Under the bus. All right, let me see if I can follow up on that. I forget when I sent out the note to all of Student Financial Services. It might have been back in May or June. And one of the things that I felt strongly about at that time is when I think about the culture we've set up in our office and what I'm responsible for and the decisions that we've made, frankly, I, I don't think we've done enough as far as increasing the diversity within our office and supporting um, underrepresented individuals. And so one of the things that I want to do and need to do is have some more conversations within the office. And coming out of the Sprint conversations, for example, one of the staff told me she really looks forward to it. And she is one of the quietest individuals in our office. And it just made me want to sit down with her and others, hopefully, and have some conversations about what we could do to improve things. Because ultimately, the conversations are critical, but actions are what are going to make the difference. And so I would love to do that, love to have our own smaller, brave conversations with some of the staff. Um, and I may ask you all for help with that. We're, we're gonna do it, boss, we'll do it. So I can tell you when you talk about moving the needle, what I'm observing. And so when we first started these sprint discussions, I observe a lot and I pay close attention. And the first feel was, okay, here we go. We're gonna talk about black people. And, and I was right on point. The very first discussion we had, you know, when blacks are whining, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, I'm not, I'm just paraphrasing. You know, you know, 
if they would try hard, do better, you know, and I'm thinking, okay, this is what I expected. So I, I didn't take much offense to it, but I did uh, offer a comment and it was for, for a positive uh, uh, ending when we, when I did that. But what I, what I have observed when we say move the needle, the very first couple of discussions that we had were those of silence, not a lot of engagement on those really hard subjects. It was a lot of people were quiet and not quite brave. And I asked a question and I said, what is it that makes white people not stand up when you see injustice? And that day, I think it started a shift change. I think people started to really feel, okay, answered the question. There's a fear because if we don't, if we stand up, then it may come at us. And I thought, okay, what, what are you afraid of? What is that fear leading you to? Or why aren't you doing? Or why aren't you staying? And from that moment, people started to share their experiences. And then I started to observe. And what I saw was people that wanted to share, wanted to do, started to speak up and, and tell their experiences and share their stories. And others started to see the absolute wrongness in what was occurring. And so you started to see the needle move because when you saw that, you saw people speaking out and against things. And so as a black person, you're often taught, you know, there'll be a new day, there'll be a better day, hang in there, keep praying, hold on, all of those things. And as a black community, years and years of trying and still seeing the injustice and still holding on and trying, it was a needle shift when you saw blacks, and it was going on in the civil rights movement, you saw blacks and whites protesting arm in arm, standing together. I start to see that in our sprint discussions. You started to see people advocating for other people that had been marginalized, that had been overlooked, to the point that there are absolute discussions in place now about how are we going to correct and fix those things. Small projects underway to right the wrongs and fix things that have not occurred before. But what I also heard when you say the needle moving is people saying, I never had this before. And, and I feel an urge to now go and fix it. So the needle is moving. There's ever slight changes occurring, but that needle is moving. And like Steve said, when he starts having the discussions in his group, there are things that are going to, that are going to take place on their own. And then there are things that are going to take place through management implementing change. But that needle definitely is moving. There are people that are more aware today than they have ever been. They have never, ever been taught some of those things because it never occurred to them, it never happened in their space. They were in that privileged world of unearned rights to passage. And so now that they're seeing this, they're, they're realizing that there has to be differences and there, there are differences and there has to be a change coming. So I think the needle, uh, Brandy is moving. I think it's shifting and it shouldn't. And, yeah. And you know, I think I was there for that, th that question that you asked and Patty and I talked, we talked about you later. <laughs> Again? <laughs> and my That's comment to her was, it's different when my friend Laverne says to me, why don't you, what would it take? It's one thing to watch the news. It's one thing to respond to injustice that you see in the media. It's one thing to be outraged when you see and hear about things. But another benefit of this brave space environment, and as Melody said, an environment of trust and closeness 
that that we're trying to pull together here. That other benefit is that you see it's not just people. It's my colleague Laverne. And Laverne has never said that to me before because we've not had that discussion. We've not opened that discussion up. But I think as you see you say that needle moves, it's because we see that we're these are this is not some a group of people. We're talking about our friends, our colleagues, our loved ones, our family, and we can get behind that and move that needle more easily when we identify it that way. Mm -hmm. I agree. Um, I've had those discussions though, often, <laughs> all the time. Good. <laughs> Good, bad, ugly, all of them, we have. To follow up on Laverne's comment, first I would say, Laverne, I always feel so inadequate when I hear you talking. Um, <laughs> You're such a good speaker. Okay, that's it. I'm signing off. No. <laughs> you don't have to say anything else the rest of the podcast, Laverne. Your job is done. <laughs> Eloquence. But the one thing I'd want to add is, um, and I was reading about this, about the Brave Space and some of the Brave Space materials. I think it's not just about race, it's about power. And that's why I feel such a responsibility now to make sure that because I do have some authority over the office to change things and make things better, I feel I have to do that um, because I have that power, if you will, where others do not. And by extension, to meld some of Laverne's ideas and yours, Steve, where you have power to do things, you should do them. And Steve's talking about a role within an organization of authority, but Laverne was talking about white privilege. And that does give you a unique role from that you, could, you should use that from which to, to speak and be an ally. Yeah, at our last discussion, we had a, a long, it was the topic of our discussion was allyship. And so that really, into that that you know those of us with power whether it be you know institutional kind of power in our um in the organizations that we are in or power in our place in society um, it gives us a responsibility to act and i, I also think just in terms of you know, jen was talking about brave space not just in, you know, in this conversation, but in all conversations, you know, all many realms. But I even think of like in your home life, having that kind of environment. I have two small kids and they're starting to think about things and ask questions. And I remember how I grew up and these were not things that you talked about. And you grew up with some assumptions and some lingering questions that never really got answered. And granted, that was 40 some years ago. So hopefully things are better and you can find more resources. But um, creating that kind of environment in your any of your circles is a good thing. It's using your position for good. Mm -hmm. So I might add to um, and when you think about uh, authority and, um, and, and, and power, when you, and, and kind of one of the elephants in the room that we started to really talk about is the leadership and even the managers within UVA finance. We are overwhelmingly white. We are not representative. 
And so what, not only are we planning to have these kinds of conversations, but these conversations will help us build that trust, build that culture. That's how we start to change the needle because we also want to make changes to how we manage internally with our HR. How are we promoting? How are we, how are we coaching? How are we mentoring? How are we um, developing uh, so that our leadership team and our managers are more representative of what um, society, the university, our local community looks like, and we need to do that. Um, one of our, our, our colleagues in, um, in our internal excellence, our intern, our- That too. <laughs> <laughs> that one too, yes. And our work that we're doing, Toshin Campbell, has been really um, he has helped me open my eyes and just look at it. And so one of the things he continues to kind of say, um, we can't just react to an incident. Okay, George Floyd happened, the Breonna Taylor um, decision that came down last week. It, it, this isn't a one incident. Um, it's not incident by incident, but we have to see the cumulative impact of all of this on the people who are, who are on our teams and our colleagues. And how do we become the best organization we can be if we're not supporting that, recognizing that kind of that cumulative trauma that exists over and over and over again. Um, how do we understand that um, and the impact it has on the workplace so that we can make it a better place for all of us? So, You know, Melody, I'm really glad you brought that up for several reasons, but the, a thought that occurred to me while you said that about the impact that it has on the people with whom we work. Um, you know, so much bad news, 20, I mean, you know all the 2020 jokes. 2020 has, well, it's just not been that great. <laughs> so as, as you wake up every morning and get your daily dose of chaos and disappointment, um, I know for myself, there's, there's that simultaneous response of just being gutted that we're not doing any better than what we're doing, but also being frustrated that it seems like, you know, posting something on social media about how outraged or disappointed or sick that you are about anything or formulating some, reading some brand or leadership response to something, again, just feels so much like nothing that um, it can feel like, well, what can you do? You just kind of give, you feel like giving up sometimes, but marginalized people who are marginalized in any group, um, Laverne said, you're taught to go on day by day and hope for a better day and say, say your prayers and keep believing. But if, if that group has been doing that for so long, we can at least have the conversations. We can at least do more than just be upset we can get in there and do something productive. And one of the most productive things is to have the conversations. Yeah, and, and just to be supportive. So uh, yeah. going back to your second Brave Space um, conversation, uh, you guys were talking about covering and the, en the energy and effort it takes for um, an individual who is coming from, you know, a different, uh, who, who's having to cover up their feelings and their, and their hurt and their just their their frustration and their pain um, day to day to day and they bring that to the office and recognizing that and being able to to work through that can be one of the better ways to to support your employees and the more the better we can get at that obviously 
the better we can be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, um, Brandy, you and I can talk a little more about what covering or coat. Sure, I, I noted that one on my yeah. No um, but you know that, as you said, Melody, that takes that can take a lot of energy from a person to have to do that, anywhere from talking or dressing differently um, when you're in the workplace. And, and when we're talking about covering, we're talking about lots of different kinds of groups that might feel the need to do that. To pretending you're somebody who you're not, you know, like, and so I think that um, that's definitely something that we don't want people to feel like they have to do. Yeah, and just in a practical sense, no group or organization will ever perform at its peak to do the good work that it's supposed to do when members of the group are feeling as worn down or as under stress or threat as what you're describing. Mm -hmm. So not that that's what's super important, but UVA does good work. I mean, we were here to educate and to uh, research and provide healthcare and those are noble missions and we're full of, the organization is made of people who are all undergoing their own private stresses and challenges, but there are some that we can help address. Yeah, and I, I think, um, I think it is, is important. Um, one of the things that we've talked about, and this is another thing I've, I've kind of learned, is that diversity and inclusion are two different things. And so we can, um, diversity is like, um, uh, one of the classes I recently um, did online about diversity, equity, and inclusion, they, they described it as um, diversity is like putting icing on a cake, but inclusion is really the foundation. So you want to make sure that not only do you have um, a diverse group of people, you want to make sure that once you have that diverse group of people that they feel included. Right. And if they don't, you're going to lose them. Yeah. Diversity is just demographics. Inclusion is what you do when they get there. Yeah. Inclusion is the culture. And yeah. that's the thing that we want to make sure that we're addressing. So we've talked a lot about what has happened so far and the positive things that you've seen and some of the uncomfortable things. Um, what do you think, what are you hoping comes next? Like both in the immediate and the longer term future? Well, I'll say one of the things that I hope, uh, first of all, I just hope that we don't lose momentum. I, I feel like um, I don't want, I, I commented at our last sprint discussion about that we seem to have less people from the very first one. And my husband asked me why I thought that was. And I said, well, the first one might've been an outlier in that people were like, what's this all about? And novelty. Go, yeah, novelty and, and that people were just curious. And then from there, it, um, I wouldn't say that it's dropped off like so that there's only a few people there, but that's been one of the concerns is that I'm afraid that people will just be interest or will feel like, okay, you know, we're there, we've done what we need to do, we've learned what we need to learn, and we can just kind of stop. And so that's a little bit of fear I had. And um, I'll, I'll say two things about that. One is at the last um, discussion, I, I expressed that a little bit. And one of the people said, um, it, I think they sh we should have them 
even if there's five people here. And so I got a little validation that that's good, you know, that, that, that they should definitely continue. And then Laverne and I had a conversation after, and I hope you don't mind me sharing this, Laverne, but Brandy can edit it out if you do mind. <laughs> but Laverne and I had a long conversation after, um, after the sprint last week where I said that, where I was expressing concern. And Laverne and I have had lots of discussions um, about our worry that we won't, that people will leave and that we will turn off people or that we will um, lose people because we're being too, um, I don't know, harsh isn't the right word, but that we're- Brave? Are you being too brave? <laughs> Yeah, we have, we're being too brave, or we're we're making things too uncomfortable for people, and and I Dick said, and we're right, <laughs> right, and I said, I don't care, you know, like I I I don't want to make things comfortable for people, and Laverne said, Patty, do you realize what you just did? And I said, what, you know, and she said, that's privilege, to be able to say. I don't care if we make things uncomfortable for people. I don't care if they leave, you know, um, the group. That's not what it's all about. Laverne's like, that's privilege. I can't say that. I can't say that I don't care that people um, don't hear. I need people to hear. So I thought that wow. was, for me, that was eye-opening too. And of course, Laverne is one of my best friends friends and so I I was like wow thank you for saying that I don't know if I actually said thank you but I'll thank you now <laughs> but I wasn't thank offended you. by that at all I was I felt very happy that she said that um, to me and that's very very true I do worry that I, uh, that makes a lot of sense and I wouldn't have thought of that either so thanks Laverne and Patty for kind of talking through that I do wonder though if we don't get a little bit uncomfortable, that to me means we're not going deep enough. So I think you do have to have kind of that balance between it being meaningful and, and somewhat uncomfortable or you won't actually keep progressing. But I guess some, maybe it's a, a question of degree and maybe you have to get yes. further and further bit by bit. I think you're, you're right. There, there has to be a balance. Um, in that uh, there's a class that we talked about this class at the, at the last sprint discussion, a woman named Dorika Blackman, and she, she talks about the brave space um, being the space between the comfort zone and the danger zone. And so we can get close to the danger zone, but we don't want to get into that where people start feeling threatened or uncomfortable. And I think that's the, the kind of balance that we have to make sure that we're getting at. I think that's an important part again, I mean, we keep coming back to the fundamentals of the space that all of the emotional responses you can have to something are okay, as long as you're open to response. And if there's an expectation, even though we're surprised by it sometimes, just like Patty said, she was surprised when, when she had that conversation with Laverne, you are, can always be surprised and you can always be made uncomfortable in surprising ways, but there should be an, an, under, an expectation that you'll hear things that you didn't know or understand. And I think about your concern that you voice that people will think, okay, well, I got it again. Like I was uncomfortable for a couple meetings. Now I got it. Now we're good to go. But um, I think that 
the depth and breadth of what we don't know is pretty big. <laughs> and, and knowing that would be helpful to moving the needle. I think it just builds um, a stronger team and in, in a, in a more uh, better relationships. Um, you know, we mentioned the trust before and if we can't see um, where everyone is coming from and what's really going on in their, um, in their lives, uh, that makes it harder to, to build a, a great like team and relationship. So I think it's, I think that's important. Um, I, I think it's also important to um, bring different perspectives and we are not going to get better at having a more diverse um, organization and leadership if we don't keep having these conversations and keep it in the forefront. Um, it's not something you can talk about and then put aside on the shelf and this is what's going to help us keep digging at it, keep doing the work and, and internalizing it in everything that we do. Um, so that's, that's one of the things I, I hope that we, we learn to be more comfortable about, about having these conversations and recognizing the unintentional places where we're stepping and saying and doing and putting in place policies and practices that have an impact that we don't even think about. And being called out on that is good. Yeah, I agree with that. And that's also why I want to take it down deeper into the organization and try to, well, get involved with the individuals who haven't been able to attend the sprint conversations. Uh, I want to make sure we have conversations with everybody. And, and that is important, Steve, because I think a lot of people are afraid to admit what they don't know, too. We're in a time of our lives and history where there's a certain expectation that you know better on some things and that you can't just assume that. And I think people are made oddly more comfortable by others' discomfort when they know that, well, so-and-so didn't know that either, or um, it's okay. Like this is, we're in a culture where it's okay for me to say, I don't understand why you think that. Yeah, it's difficult. And, and that goes back to the beginning. You were reading off a definition of brave space and it, it said something about a community space. Yes. But I think one of the biggest brave spaces is between your ears for each person. Because a lot of people, as you just said, are very uncomfortable. Um, they don't know what to say. They're afraid of saying the wrong things etc and they need to they need some assistance in giving themselves permission to participate and being vulnerable yes and that's a really hard thing when you have these are the things that we think come from deep places from your family experience your where, where you grew up how you grew up your interactions, your socioeconomic status, so many different things. They're part of our identity and our knee-jerk reaction is usually to defend those things that make our world our world, like you said, in between our ears. Um, it feels, even when you think that you're a pretty open person, it still does feel challenging when someone or something starts to push at your inner world and how you've constructed it. I'm really glad you mentioned that, that it's important for us to have brave space between our ears. Thank you. At least um, from the perspective that I've learned from the sprint discussions is that some of the 
comments um, from people, I had no idea. Or some of the th experiences that they've shared, I had no idea. Um, sometimes I've been surprised uh, because I had maybe preconceived judgments or you know thoughts about a person or what they might think or what they were like or what their experiences might have been and I've been wrong um, and the other thing I would say about them is that they're really kind of intimate conversations and we have them over zoom and so we can't see each other but I feel like once I get back to we get back into the workspace I, I need to go find some of these people and hug them <laughs> because because just learning some things about people that you know that they've shared and you know very emotional moments sometimes and so um and people have said to me like privately in chat i can't say anything i'm just listening because if i speak i'm gonna start crying you know like so people are sharing you know their true emotions and feelings and that's i think that's really important. Patty, you, uh, you hit on one of the notes that I'd written down here, because I think the way you help create the empathy for that brave space is by sharing stories. And, mm -hmm. and when people do share those stories, it is very emotional and it's powerful. Mm -hmm. Very powerful. Helps break down those walls. Mm -hmm. I've had people that have sent me messages in chat during this conversation, like, I really want to share, I really want to tell you what I'm going through. Can I call you? They're not comfortable yet. They're they're almost there, but they want to tell me. They want to they want to reach out to me. They want me to talk with them, and I and I encourage them. You know, this is a brave space. You be as vulnerable as you need to be. Let's talk about it. Maybe next time. But they they continue to show up. They continue mm -hmm. again, and they continue to send me messages. And so we have to work those baby steps at a time. And mm -hmm. I think people feel vulnerable and that's that's the part that's breaking down the outer layer that's getting right into that core and eventually they will i'm looking forward to it i know when i started uva five years ago there weren't a lot of people of color i walked through the halls and i would see several and then you know i, I telework predominantly from home and then when i would come back i would see more i know it made my heart glad it made me feel good to see people like me and i'm thinking okay this is cool and then they would see me and we would wave and we would embrace we wouldn't hug we were that close we're like hey we're hey i think it does a lot for the for the organization as a whole when you see people like you working along you working in your departments so i applaud that i keep it up i think that it can only take you further to the top you want to be that that organization that people want to be a part of that they want to come and work for because they see the combined benefit they see people like them being given opportunities you know i i i think it's a win-win i do and the more people that you see that are like you whatever the culture we have a lot of different cultures and i'm enjoying learning and i'm going to learn more so i think we should we just keep going you don't stop even though i i moved to another department i'm like i still want to go back and, and yeah I, we're not letting you go <laughs> so i think it's good I, I think keep going do more and, and yeah, so uh, SFS people, we're also going to keep our tractor beam on you, too. <laughs> yeah, I told Melody she can't get rid of us that easily. Okay, okay. So we kept the, kept the OSP people, too. <laughs> yeah, once you've entered, you, you, you can't, it's uh, Hotel California. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> 
having finance is doing something that a lot of organizations, we're hearing it on the calls. We don't get this. We've never had this. We're not doing this. So Melody, thank you for giving that opportunity for people to, to engage. I think it's going to be a game changer for your team. I think it's going to be a, a mark, a trendsetter for all of UVA to follow. I don't know if there's anybody else that's digging this deep and doing that hard work and they're and comfortable with their leader right there with them during the discussion in the process so it, it what it does for me is it allows you to see if my leader is here digging as deep this is as brave a space as i'm going to get because she's sponsoring this so i think it, it says a lot and to further what you said laverne about and, and Steve too about like, or, and, and Jen, all of you, we've all had excellent points about this, but having this kind of conversation in any of your circles has that same effect. If you're, if you're going to be the person, like if you're the mom of your family or the father of your family and you're having these discussions, it influences your children and they become people who can have them as well. If you're in your department where you manage a few people, if you have these discussions, that has that change in that sphere there. So it just becomes a nicely rippling thing when we all become more comfortable with this kind of digging and doing that work. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Laverne, because those are super, I, I mean, I, I'm humbled by the words and that's, um, I have learned something every single conversation that I have with everyone here. And um, I, I just, it's, it's been great for me. It's been transformative for me. So hopefully we're gonna all go, go with this together and make it a better place and spread through it, so. Well, so we've covered a lot in this conversation. Um, I have made many, many notes of things that we need, Patty and I will need to talk about in our future podcast that will actually come out as a companion piece to this. And then just resources and more explanation and um, more information that we can link you to in the show notes. So we think that you'll probably have more questions and comments about this one. So I hope that the audience will be responsive and let us know what you'd like to hear more about. Um, we are thinking about different ways that we can incorporate these Brave Space conversations into the Finance Matters podcast so that folks maybe who can't come to the sprint discussions, can benefit from hearing more of the types of things that we talk about in those discussions, or maybe we just talk about some of the, the resources that the group has provided. I'll link to those in the show notes as well. But it's important work. And even though they are sprints, and even though we're working hard and fast, it's going to also be somewhat of a marathon too, because it's something that has to continue and um, get further and deeper as we go on. Any last words, wonderful panel of guests? Well, I think I just, I really want to say thanks to you guys um, for showing up for this. And thank you to anyone who has been involved or, it, you know, no matter what stage they're at, whether they're thinking about it, whether they've engaged a little bit and not said anything, or whether they've really put themselves out there in, in the discussions. It's, I'm really grateful for anyone who wants to put their energy towards this. Absolutely. And that goes for our listening audience today. If you made it to the end of this podcast, chef's kiss. We love you. <laughs> All right. So we're going to close up this discussion for today. Thank you again for joining us on Finance Matters. We'll catch you again soon. And until next time, do good work because what you're doing matters. <laughs>